It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 49.7 degrees. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. Where else should you be on a Saturday morning? This is not some other crazy imposter show. This is Lawn and Garden. I am Walter Reeves, not a crazy double-take, double-ganger. No, I'm Walter Reeves. I am here to answer your garden questions in the clearest and most uh, helpful way possible. If you have a question about anything, about your trees, shrubs, flowers, how to garden organically, how to control bugs without doing anything, if you have any kind of garden question, outdoor question, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Get your name in the pot early, and you don't have to worry about whether you're going to get in at the end of the show, which sometimes we have as many as four people that are waiting, 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 hoping they'll get their question in, and we just can't put them in because, obviously, the timing is the end of the show. Dave Baker takes over at 9 o'clock. So get your question in now, 404-872-0750. I have another rant this Saturday morning. I have another rant, Ashley, a rant that will scorch the ears as I scorched the ears of anybody who was near me yesterday afternoon, because my rant is directed at Smilax. I hate Smilax. For those of you who don't know what Smilax is, it's a vine that has thorns all up and down it, and it rips around every shrub you're trying to get in there and prune and take out, and it just scratch. I can look at my leg right now, and I see one, two, seven scratches, big, long, red scratches across the calf of my left leg right now. I've got scratches here on my arm. In fact, I think I have a Smilax thorn still embedded in my palm right here because it's still sore when I press on it. Smilax is a... There are very few things that I can think of that Smilax is good for. I was, I was going to say useless, but I was thinking to my head, no, no, there's a couple of birds out there, a couple of birds listening to the little birdie radio right now, and those birds are saying, hey, don't say mean things about our Smilax because Smilax has berries, and we eat the berries, and we like Smilax for food. To those little birds, I say, hey, there are plenty of other things you could eat. There are holly berries that are out there that are just fine. They taste better, I bet, than, than the Smilax berries because holly berries, that's a good shrub. A shrub I don't mind finding a little one here and there, and most of them don't sprout anyway. But Smilax berries sprout everywhere, including in my azaleas, in the hydrangeas, in the akuba that I was trying to get done yesterday. And for that reason, it's on my no-go list. I don't like Smilax, those shiny little arrow-shaped leaves, the thorns up and down the vine grabs and puts little tendrils around everything and grabs onto it so you can't pull it apart. And if you dig it up, oh my gosh, if you dig it up, it will be what an education you will get. Because Smilax does not have one little root ball like a, like a daylily or like a dandelion or something like that. It has a long root ball, long underground root. If you dig up a Smilax vine, 
and start following the route, it can be as much as eight or nine feet long under the ground going in other directions. And each one, every about two inches, there'll be a node. And each one of those little swollen nodes is capable of putting up a sprout. And so if I cut the smilax down at my end of the, of the root, then the sprout will come up from the next node in place on the ground. I didn't know the node was there, perhaps, but up it comes. So you have a capability of making an incredible briar patch, as they say. And you would have smilax all over my neighborhood if I did not do my best in my yard to kill every smilax leaf, vine, thorn that I see. I do not like Smilax. You dig it up if you want to control it permanently. You simply cut it down if you simply like revenge. And that's what I was doing yesterday, taking my revenge on Smilax. Don't like it at all. Uh, I feel better now. Let's go to the phones. we got people late on the phones. One, two, three, four, five lines right now. First in line, our friend from Griffin, Georgia, Nicole. Good morning, Nicole. Nicole! <laughs> there she is. Hey, Nicole. <laughs> you got your uh, frustration out of this dog on Smilex. Yeah, I don't like Smilex at all. Smilex is a... Oh, boy. You have Smilex in Griffin, don't you? I'm sorry. Don't ask me. I got it all. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever dug one up? Have you ever seen that yellow root that goes underground for so long? Well, I just got frustrating. I'm not going underneath the ground. I just cut it and dog <laughs> on it. Because me too. I mean, it's just the top and it gets on your finger, yeah. your arms and everything else. It hurts. It's, it's, a, it's an aggressive vine. It's not one that just lays there waiting on you. It comes out and grabs you. It grabs your pants, grabs your, grabs your shirt sleeve. It just grabs all over you. Mm. I bet the deal like it, isn't it? I guess deer like it. They do call it deer thorn is one common name for it. Catbriar is another name for it. So maybe the deer do like the little leaves. The leaves don't have thorns on them. And there are, I will admit to this, uh, Nicole, there is a thornless smilax that people have used in the South. People have grown in the South for years and years and years, and they use it mostly for Christmas decorations because it's a nice vine. You can weave it into a wreath, but it doesn't have thorns. Thornless smilax I have no problem with. Thorny Smilax, get out of Dodge. Did you uh, bring your stuff inside? Stop to bring your oh, stuff inside? Last night I thought to myself, hmm, it's down to 40 degrees tonight. I need to bring my apple, my, my, my Meyer lemon in. And uh, I haven't yet. I hope I'm not gambling, but I don't think it's going to be harmed by the temperatures of this night. But that's a good job for this afternoon. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, because the light is low, and they don't like it too much when the soil gets, uh, you know, especially the um, palm trees. Yeah, when it gets cool, and they get the cooling system, the palm trees will stop growing when the soil gets cool, and the wintertime comes around a palm tree. The, uh, I was going about walking by my neighbor's house the other day, though, and I saw the needle palm that she put in front of her house. And it is now, it was four feet tall when she planted it about three years ago, and it's now easily eight feet tall. It's a good, fast-growing palm, completely winter-hardy, of course. So there are some palms that like the cold weather, and, you know, without anybody saying anything about it being a palm. They like cold weather. Oh, it's the wrong time to put it in the ground, but wait it until is. springtime. Yeah, oh my goodness, yes. Uh, the, there are only a couple of things, Nicole, that I think need to be planted in spring. And one is palms, you're correct. The other one is grasses, all the ornamental grasses like pompous grass and maiden grass and zebra grass and um, muley grass. They all seem to do so much better when planted 
in the spring, usually when the soil is getting sort of warming up, not February spring, but maybe late April spring. Temperature and light are two most important yeah. things. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, and we got to think about that. That's what makes the, the lawns right now go to sleep. Nighttime temperatures and the amount of light level, you know, light duration during the day, all the Bermuda lawns and the centipede lawns, they may look green right now, but they are just about to fall asleep. I want to tell you about this bug that I saw this week, Mr. Reed. What did you find? It's about one inch long, yeah. and uh, it looked like 80, you know, the long neck. <laughs> <with rules. Yeah. laughs> and this thing's got three legs on each side, two antenna at the ends of the leg, just like a claw. It's really small. But the best feature mm-hmm. is little rear end look like gold. If it shine underneath the, the sun, wow. copper gold. What? Do you know? No, I don't. What bug would that be that looked like E.T., yep. an inch long, got copper and gold around the shell somehow? And you know the best thing? And if you got ants calling on your um, sidewalk and things yeah. like this, yeah. it eats the, 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 the ants. Ah. And they get to the point the hens turn back around and go the other way. <laughs> then whatever bug so this funny. is, we like it. We're, yes. we're in favor of this bug. Does it eat fire ants or just the little sugar ants? Sugar ants. Yeah, well, either way. In fact, one of the things that I was thinking about just a day or two ago was when I found a uh, yellow jacket nest in my neighborhood in the back part of the garden. And I looked closely as I was passing by. I knew where it was, and so one day I passed by, sort of giving it a good wide berth. And I saw that there was a bald-faced hornet. A hornet, one of those great big guys, had flown down and was sitting there next to the opening of the yellow jacket nest. It was eating yellow jackets. As they came out of the nest, the hornet was eating the yellow jacket. He'd sort of jump up and grab one and chew on it for a minute, and then he'd throw it down, the body would throw it down, and he'd go grab another, <laughs> eat it up. And you don't think of hornets being that competitive with, with the yellow jackets, but that was certainly what I saw that day. I did not know that. You see nature take care of itself, isn't it? There are always things to know and learn and do. Yesterday I did my walk around my neighborhood specifically to prepare for this show so I could talk about things that I saw. I saw a lady who had taken up all of her roses because she has rose rosette disease in her roses. She had dug them up in a great pile of of rose twigs and branches and everything by the front of her lawn because she's dug every one of her roses up because they were infected with disease. I noted that yesterday as I walked. So mm. nothing to do with it? Just just dig it up? Yeah, dig it up. You have rose rosette disease. And, of course, people can go to my website and learn more about it. We don't have time to talk about it here. But rose rosette disease seems to be spreading slowly but surely through a lot of rose plantations in Atlanta, and it is a deadly disease. It's the only thing you can do, as you say. Is it the knockout? It'll eat any kind of rose you have. Knockout roses, old roses, antique roses. You know, every dose you ha- rose you have is susceptible to rose rosette virus. It sure oh, is. What can we do? Dig it up, throw it away. That's it. That is it. There's no spray. There's nothing that will control it. There's nothing that controls the mites that uh, spread it from plant to plant. It simply is a disease that has to be destroyed. That's it. 
Hey, life is cruel sometimes, but right now I have to be not so cruel, but to remind everybody that it is about time for us to leave each, each other, and I will see you next Saturday, Nicole. See you then. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. It's 618. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Bring me sunshine in your smile. Bring me laughter all the while. In this world where we live, there should be more happiness. Brother so Willie much Nelson joy there, a little toe tapping music for a Saturday morning. Each brand new bright tomorrow. Quick weather update brought to you by Aquin Security. Tomorrow, today I should say, partly cloudy, high of 77 degrees, low of 57. Tomorrow, cloudy, chance of rain, thunderstorms at night, high 76, low of 66. Kirk Mellis, by the way, saying 100% chance of rain on Monday. Knowing Kirk Mellish, he would not go 110 like a lot of weather forecasters would, but he says 100%. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Bud comes to us from Locust Grove. Hey, Bud. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm great, Bud. How can I help? Well, I, I got two patches out in front of my house, of almost 1,000 square feet each, and in the middle of those patches, there are huge 25-year-old crepe myrtles. All right. And around the base, of course, not much it wanted to grow. But I finally put in this beginning of, next, of last week a planted um, mondo grass. Cool, yeah. And some monkey grass is what he called it, the landscaper, around the edges. Okay. I, have, I know nothing about taking care of that. Uh, what do I need to do to take care of that type of thing? You have just given yourself the most carefree landscape plan imaginable. You don't do nothing with that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> it's great news, bud. Uh, the the mondo grass, once in a while, you'll have a real severe winter, and the top inch or two maybe of the mondo grass will get sort of brown and frozen, tattered looking. Uh-huh. And the same thing happens for the monkey grass. After a couple, three years, it'll get sort of tattered and ratty. And just go in with your lawnmower, set the lawnmower up pretty high, and uh-huh. go over it like that and mow it one time and... I don't know, March, April, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. And end of story. Do you need uh-huh. to fertilize? No. Do you need to water it? No. Do you need to add pesticides for some bug or disease? No. Uh-huh. Mondo grass, monkey grass, two of the toughest, least maintenance plants you can have. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, one thing, though, right now, the plants uh, are about, I don't know, maybe about 8, 10 inches apart, yeah. something like that. They'll, they'll um, and in between in. them. Yeah. In between them, weeds are already germinating. That would be something you're going to have to go out and control, but you know, for the honest honest answer is you're going to have to pull them. Okay. There's not much else you can do but pull. If you put a chemical there, I'm scared it would, I'm scared it would hurt the mondo grass. Mm-hmm. So I guess the best thing to do is to pull the weeds the best you can. Over the next year or so, the clumps will fill in together, and they'll choke out all the weeds. So it's only a year or so that you really need to worry about the weeds there. Well, thanks for calling, bud. Great plant and great recommendation for others who want something that is totally, totally carefree and tolerates shade wonderfully well. It's 628. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 636 and 49 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardner here to help you be more successful and you decide what your level of success that you wish to attain is. Denise in Villarica has a level of success she has in mind. Hey, Denise. Good morning. This morning. I'm doing great. Thank you, ma'am. So what's going on with your gardenias? Well, I moved into this house about six years ago or more, and it had the gardenia bushes there. I happen to grow, grow up around the Louisville area, so to have a gardenia get that big is, like, not super unusual. <laughs> so I really didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And now they're long and leggy and uh, kind of falling over, and I don't know whether to cut them down and throw them. I mean, they still bloom, yeah. but it's got a lot of old wood in it. This is one of those years when you, Denise, are going to have to just take the situation in hand and do what you would rather probably not do, but which will result in a much better-looking shrub. And we're not going to do it now. Here's the good news. You don't have to do anything today. I think if you prune gardenias, gardenias and crepe myrtles both, if you prune them this sort of transitional time between the fall and the really cold weather of fall, they end up getting a little bit of new growth, and it ends up making them a little more susceptible to cold damage in the winter. And so at this time of year, there's several plants that I'll caution callers and say, don't prune it right now. Wait until it's nice and cold sometime in late November or December maybe, and wait till then. So that is what you can do, honestly. You can do it any time between December and early February. But take a pruner's pruning. I have these big long-handled pruning hooks that I using my, I was using yesterday, my Akuba for that matter, and just go in and cut it down to about two and a half feet tall, maybe lower well, that, than that, maybe down to two severe. feet. I wasn't sure if I should cut it down that low. Yeah, but it, that's, it, most gardenias, if they're healthy, will come back gangbusters from that. They won't have many flowers next year. That's the one thing you will not have much of is that wonderful gardenia flower smell. But you'll have lots of leaves, and hopefully if you look in there and see by June or so, there's a limb just poking out to the side. You don't like the way, way it's headed, then you can cut it off. Do a little restorative pruning, I mean, during the summer. And then next year, 2019, oh, the gardenias Denise is going to have. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody well, in Villarica is saying, what's that smell over there at Denise's house? This is a little gardenias. I was going to say, all my friends back home will be envious. Yeah, they will. So severe pruning, late winter, late uh, early early spring, I mean, this year, and wait for the flowers years after that. Okay, thanks so much. I enjoy your show. Thank you, Denise. Enjoy the foliage. Jake's turn. Jake comes from Madison, Georgia, in Morgan County. Hey, Jake, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. How can I help, Brother I Jake? Have, well, I have uh, a row of compacta boxwood holly shrubs yeah. that I planted a number of years ago, and I kept them pruned for a while or trimmed and nice little round circles, and then I decided I wanted them to grow up and be one big shrub across the front of my house, and yeah. now I've decided I don't want that. <laughs> if I cut them back, and they're going to be cut back very, very low, and there won't be any foliage left, I'm sure. Yeah. How long will it take it to come back? 
to where they'll look decent, or should I just pull them up and start all over? How much bare legs are showing that you want to try to rejuvenate, get some greenery down low? How, how much are we seeing here? Well, they're probably a lot. They're, they're big. They're probably three feet wide and mm -hmm. maybe three feet tall. And like I said, it's right. just one looks like a continuous hedge. And I want to go back to where they're just the little round ones like I used to have. Ah. I'm, I'm inclined to say leave them, cut them down to wherever you want to, and see what happens. Because most hollies, if they're healthy, and Burford holly is certainly the one that's most known for coming back after pruning. You can prune a Burford holly to any height you like, and it will come back. And compacted hollies, too, in my experience, pruned down pretty low, down to four inches or six inches or something like that. Well, within the warm season of spring, shoot out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven little sprouts. And by July or August of that year, you'll have a little softball kind of thing, maybe soccer ball size. And by the next year, it'll be more basketball, beach ball size. And you decide where to stop it at that point. So I'm thinking that with a good, healthy, hopefully healthy root system, go ahead and let's I think, again, wait until cold weather, but do the pruning this winter, and let's see what happens. All right. Well, that's. I just didn't want them to look bad for a long, long time, yeah. because there will be nothing left when I cut it down other than just a little stick. If you want to time it that closely, the right time to do that severe pruning would be around the first or week or two in February. It'll be just before things start warming up, just as Kirk or Brad or somebody is saying, you know, temperatures are warming. It'll be a warming trend now. It'll be in the 30s for the next two weeks. And you, you know, it looks like it's warming up a little bit in the spring. That's when to do the pruning. All right. Well, thank you so much. You bet, Jake. Thanks for calling. Brother Greg comes to Oxford, Georgia, Newton County. Greg, hey, good morning. Good morning, uh, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yes, pineapple plant I've called you before. It's about eight or nine years old, and it's finally got a Get small pineapple on it. <laughs> Greg's wow. happy. Yeah. Uh, it's about six months old, but it's half the size of one you buy in the store, and yeah. it's bright yellow, and it's laid on to the right. You know, it's not upright with a plant anymore. I guess yeah. it's time to harvest it. I believe it is time, Greg. I think that pineapple much longer is going to be <laughs> fruit fly food. Can I continue to grow the mother plant? Or is it used as used up as useful life? I guess. Or, Generally speaking, or the mother plants will just dry, wither up, and die. But you usually have two or three little pups underneath. Have you not seen any pup growth from? Oh yes, uh -huh. yes, yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, and then so that's just the normal life cycle of any bromeliad, and that includes okay. the bromeliads you get as indoor houseplants. There are bunches of them you find in nurseries that are sold as an indoor plant. The, the spike in the middle, the flowering part, lasts for a long time, and so that's why it's so popular as a houseplant. But once that spike has withered up and died, typically the whole mother plant withers up and dies, and little baby plants come around the bottom, which you yes, can take out and root them. That's how you propagate them. Sounds great. Can you got another quick question, please? Sure. Yes, sir. You All right. Go. Next next door neighbor, he's got a mock orange. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that as a plant? It's a nice tree. It's very fragrant. That's one of the reasons yes, I like yes, it. It's very is. fragrant. Yes, beautiful. You know, I know the oranges are not edible in everyone. They have a nice fragrance. Okay. Now, wait, 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 wait. Okay. We, we may be talking about different plants because mock orange does not have any fruit. But okay, the, this is what this gentleman said. His older gentleman, it's got small, I don't know, about, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bigger than a golf ball, and it got big thorns. Aha! Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm glad okay. we stopped. He right. does not have a 
plant that's that is typically called mock orange. It certainly is a shrub called mock orange. It certainly has okay. very fragrant white flowers, but it doesn't have any thorns and it doesn't have any fruit. What okay. your neighbor has instead is called trifoliate orange or wild Trifoli. orange. Or okay. There must be another name for it, too. And if you want a real... A real bad thing to do when Halloween comes around. Take one of those little fruit, Greg, and open it up in a section and say, "Sonny, would you like to taste some of our lemon candy here?" <laughs> oh my lord! You have never in your life tasted anything as bitter and as nasty as that fruit coming off of a trifoliate orange, Greg. It will okay. turn your mouth inside out, right side up, and bend it back inside again. Oh, All right. Nasty. All right. Uh, Get up. The plant is loaded with fruit. Yeah, right now. Mine has about six on the plant and 20 on the ground underneath it. This is a time when hunters usually will call the show and say, I found this thing in the woods. There's lots of thorns on it, but lots of fruit underneath, too. Okay. And opening up the fruit, you see, oh, they'll have 20 or 30 seeds apiece in there, so you know there'll be little sprouts around where the thing is sprouted up, make a little thicket, thorny thicket. Yeah. Okay. Trifoliate yes, orange. Tell your neighbor, educate your neighbor, trifoliate orange. Look I at the sure leaves. Will. You see why it's called tri. Yes, All right. Well, thank you, Walter. Right, you have Greg. a wonderful day. It's Appreciate good talking it. to you. Thanks for calling, right, yes, Greg. Sir. It's 645 at News Talk WSB. A reminder that tomorrow, what is tomorrow? Tomorrow would be Sunday, the highlight of my weekend, because I get to get the Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Now, this is the big one. This is the one that has about nine pounds of coupons <laughs> inside there, plus a lot of coverage of national news you don't really get during the week. So every Sunday morning, I'm out there in the front porch looking around to make sure nobody's looking because I may or may not have the bottoms of my pajamas on. I reach out with my arm and grab that thing and bring it back inside the house so I can read it while I have my Sunday morning cereal. Tomorrow, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Sunday edition, news of local and national importance and a million dollars worth of coupons in it. If we get Chuck in here real quick, Chuck can go ahead and get about his day. Chuck, join us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Chuck. Hey, good morning. Thank you. Hey, tell me, uh, planting grass. Yeah. Over, do I do it before it rains or after it rains? Before. Today is the day, Chuck. Get Sounds out there. good. Second question, if I could, blue spruce. Yeah. Will it grow in Georgia? Uh, for about four or five years, and then it will break your heart. Got it. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Yeah, Chuck, I do my best to make sure everybody knows what they need to know. And I have a note here on my screen, Chuck, that said you actually were asking Ashley about a fescue-rye combination. Is that true? Yeah, I've got fescue and I've got rye. I've got uh, fescue for brand-new yeah. grass, and I'm going to put rye over uh, Ah, Okay, smart. Okay, I understand what you're doing there, but I wanted to point out to other people who sometimes this time of year plant a combination of fescue seed and rye together, thinking they get fast germination with the rye and get some coverage with the fescue, and I typically warn against that and say, you know, this is the time of year that's perfect for fescue. There's really no need to put rye in with it. The rye simply competes, frankly, competes with the fescue. It makes it not grow as fast as it should, so I don't recommend rye-fescue combinations, but in your place where you've got fescue on one site, rye on the other site, Makes perfect sense, and this is the weekend to plant. At 647, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. I keep my hands on myself. Put them back up on 
dance party in the studio this morning. Jason Byers gets the best garden music on the planet, completely free of charge every Saturday morning, my friends. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, partly cloudy, high 77 degrees, low 57. Tomorrow, cloudy, chance of rain. High 76, low of 66, 100% chance of rain on Monday. Make your plans accordingly, according to Brad Nitz. Full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Linda comes to us this very minute from Houston, Georgia. Hey, Linda, good morning. Good morning. morning. Thank you. I have a weed in my yard that seems to like the shady area. It grows flat to the ground. It's got... Uh, a cluster of leaves that are about the size of my pointer finger that's dark green. The underside is almost white. <sighs> and it's spreading like crazy. And I've dug and pulled and <laughs> helped. Linda, Linda, you do not need me to be host of this show. Who you need is Ashley Frasca. Ashley Frasca said, when I was waiting during the break to come back on, she said, I know exactly what Linda has, and I'll show you a picture of it. And she scrolled through the weeds that we put on the WSB website when we used to do Weed of the Week. Ashley, you could tell her. You Take the glory. Take the glory of knowing what that weed was, is. Sadly, I know it because I have it. Uh, rabbit tobacco. That is rabbit tobacco. But I, I, I smoked rabbit tobacco <laughs> when I was a little girl picking cotton yeah. in Gwinnett County. I see, I'm about to have my 74th birthday. Uh-huh. And I, it had a thing on the top yeah, that yeah, we yeah, actually yeah. put in our brown paper lunch sacks and rolled it and smoked it. It, was, it made things smell good. I know people but use it as a perfume. But this grows so flat to the ground, I hadn't seen anything coming out. There's a couple of species, some get, that get tall, that you can harvest those little bitty tendril kind of thingies as you collect for the rabbit tobacco. And oh. some that are just flat and don't have much of a growth to them at all, and you have the one that's flat. Well, I, I do remember the rabbit tobacco having a white color to it. Absolutely. The underside of the leaf uh, on the ground, as you noted just now, the underside of the leaves is almost completely white. And when you have those little, as I say, the leaflet tendril thingies that curled around that you selected off mm-hmm. the, off the stem for the for the smoking experience of them, they were <laughs> well, white too. All this too. time I could have been rolling that and smoking it. Well, I don't know what good it would have done you, Linda, but <laughs> it might have done some good. I just don't know. I just don't. <laughs> Linda, go around Houston today and get give everybody some rabbit tobacco. Rabbit roll it up tobacco. on a piece of paper. And say, hey, smoke this and tell me what you think. But what is the best way to get rid of it? I'm just so tired of digging it, pulling the, it up. The easiest thing is just any of the what we call broadleaf spot spray weed killers. The you know Ortho has a little trigger sprayer that you go around in the backyard and with that. That's really all you can do. There's no, I think, better way of getting rid of it than just spot spraying here and there and here and there with a broadleaf weed killer. Ortho, Bayer, Bonide, all of them make one. That's how you spray it with the noise. That's what you need at 658 at Newstalk WSB. We'll be back right after news.